Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade, and welcome back to the land of the living. How are you? I don't know if it's good to be back. I wish I was actually back into the the Zen retreat. Yeah, so for those that don't no, know, Jade I love has, being back. Yeah, sure. Jade has just got back from a health retreat. You were gone for about four days. You looked like you had an ace <laughs> time. I'm worried you're about to ditch me. I'm worried you did some therapy when you were there. Never. And they're like, get out of the things that are holding you back in life. And you're like, yep, so check, she's gone. <laughs> guess what? What? I had an astrology reading and guess what they said? What? Let's see, I'm putting it here in recording so everyone knows from April this year to April next year. You're going to have there a There is going to be, no, there is going to be a massive like beyond the bumps going to go from one level to another. It's going to go. How good. Like basically we're going to be famous. Look, I'm just going to put it out there. We're going to be famous. There's a lot of people that might know who we are in another year's time and it's going to be really exciting. But that was Does that one. Mean we're going to get trolls? No, it was all positive. Oh, good. I did say at the end of the session. So do you tell anyone any negative stuff? Like, And she's <laughs> like, well, like I can see it in their chart, but like I would just say be careful when driving and be careful when this and all. Maybe look out for this date. And I was like, so there's nothing. And she's like, oh, no, yours is all good. Oh, and I'm we like, already oh, know you're God. having a good 2022. You're a new girl. I can't keep up, yeah. you know. So tell us, how was it? Was it Nine Perfect Strangers? Did you get secretly drugged in your smoothies? Was it creepy? What's the go? I'm going to admit it does feel a bit, nine perfect strangers Mm. because you are in this surreal environment that is like absolutely manicured the grass is like not (laughs) one (laughs) not what what do you call it a um, one blade out of place yeah not one blade out of place the food is immaculate everything's immaculate but it does give you this like strange vibe when you walk in because you're so used to technology and the radio and kids crying and and, yeah yeah. so when you walk into an environment like that you're like okay I really do have to like just tone it down but the whole it can be unsettling yeah it look I think people like there was so many people there that were on their own that were there with couples with friends there was a whole range of people And they were all there for different reasons. Some people were dealing with a death of a child, a breakup of a partner, an illness, a drug addiction. There were so many people that had stories that by the end of it was incredible. But when when Harry and I got there, because we just didn't want to talk to anyone because it was like the first time we could actually read a book and not talk. We sat at this antisocial table. There were like two round tables so (laughs) people knew that they couldn't come over and talk and we did that for the first two nights and then, you know, bit by bit you start to open up and relax and have these conversations and, yeah, you start to find out a little bit more about other people but 
it was like you can choose different massages. There was one called the Kahuna, which I didn't do. Long story short, it's butt naked and they roll you around. And apparently, is that a Lomi Lomi massage? I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. and have heaps of people one? cry. I've had one before, and heaps of people cry while cry they're getting afterwards. them. And yeah, it was really interesting. Nick and I went to a health retreat once. Um, funnily enough, I rocked up to the health retreat so hungover. It was the day after <laughs> Nick and I had got in engaged that I was vomiting in the car in the car park and I was like oh my gosh they're gonna think I'm checking myself in because I've got a drinking problem but actually (laughs) we just went way too hard celebrating our engagement I couldn't even go to the briefing that evening I had to just be in the room I was just vomiting I had to act like the next day was the first one (laughs) anyway it was really interesting when we were there they said for the first 48 hours at least anytime you have a conversation with someone you're not allowed allowed to ask them what they do for work. Oh. And it was so interesting because you realize so often when you meet someone, the first thing you do is you say, what do you do? And it's actually subconsciously often a way to like kind of put people on a hierarchy or see where you fit in comparison to someone else. Mm. And it's really interesting how much you have to think when you're not allowed to ask someone, like, what do you do? Like, it's it's such an icebreaker. Mm. But that was really interesting. It was really interesting. The biggest thing that I got out of this place is the fact that you get a chance to stop and understand and take in, like, nature and actual real life. And It's funny because when you take in four days of no phone, no, you know, nothing, but just being present with yourself, even going to sleep without having Netflix running or anything like that and no coffee and no alcohol, it's, it's a bit funny at the start, but then it becomes this really like nice feeling. And the fact that when I went to pick up my phone on day three, it was like this effort. I wasn't, I was like, oh my God, like it, it, it changed my perspective. It was like real life was way more fucking exciting than what my phone had to offer. And obviously we say that obvious, like that's a known fact that it is, but I think we can all in this day and age get so caught up on technology and not letting our brains unwind and just going to bed with Netflix and, you know, focusing on emails and just never, ever stopping. So what I've taken out of this is to take a moment out of each day, no matter where I am, to just go for that walk and actually not have my phone and look at the fucking sky, look at the stars, look at a fire if I'm actually, you know, sitting by a fire and taking it all in because it just changes your mood, it lifts you a little bit and you just feel a little bit more grounded, which was lovely. Do we still recommend to our listeners that they should listen to a podcast while they're going for a walk though? Oh, okay, 100%. (laughs) If you're going to (laughs) listen, all right, maybe don't even listen to that. Just definitely have Beyond the Bar be in your ears and then carry on. Silly me. We are nature. We are nature. (laughs) (laughs) We are one. We are one with you all. Anyway, funny things that happened. Harry and I got into an argument. Oh, doll, you couldn't just go a few days. Not a few days. And it's funny because obviously we're renowned for having tiffs. I asked him, I said to him, can you go get my jacket? And my jacket is like a kilometre to our cabin because everywhere you can't get a 
car you have to walk everywhere stupid health retreat <laughs> and um so he took so long and we were about to go to this power pole experience and I thought oh he's probably walked straight there so I'll go there I get there he's not there and I'm like oh, all right I'll go find him didn't find him went back and was so furious because I'm like uh, like where did he go I don't know where he went anyway then he comes down 20 minutes later furious and the lady who's like hosting it can sense everything. She knows what's going on. And he was like, I can't even talk to you. I went and got your jacket. I came back, you weren't there. And then I went to go get a sauna, but you took my bag. So I couldn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, but now you're here. Let's just move on. So then he made me do the poll first because he was angry. And I like, was so anxious that I had tears in my eyes because I was like, shit, this is just so intense. I climbed up that pole. Can I, it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, but very proud of myself. Did that. Then he followed it up and literally did it like, you know, he does that on a regular basis. And then we got back and all the people that had massages started to feel like really relaxed in their stomach. So when we were listening in this tutorial there were people farting and <laughs> not owning it. Like you could hear it, like you could hear them <laughs> farting. And I'm like, is this like okay and acceptable because we're at a health retreat? Like can we all just <laughs> fart and you can get away with it? And it was okay to like talk I didn't about. read this in the manual. <laughs> you can talk about your bowels moving. Anyway, look, it was a awesome experience. I think three nights is enough for me because I think if I had more than that, it would take a little bit of time to get back to reality and yeah. no one with kids has time to no. you know, take that long off. But really appreciative of being able to do that experience and anyone that wants to do it, whether it's by themselves. Someone was there with, um, she had a six-month-old at home, but she went and had three nights. And yeah, I definitely recommend to anyone that's interested, go and find a health retreat and yeah, find out for yourself. How good. Good. Now we're going to crack on and get straight into this week's episode because it is a bit of a longer yes. one. We chatted to the beautiful Maggie from Pep Talk Her. She's an Australian expat that lives in New York and she runs a business that's all about, you know, empowering women to know their worth financially, you know, to, to reach their potential at work, to return to work after having babies, closing the gender pay gap, all of that kind of thing. She's an absolute breath of fresh air. And we loved this chat. So many of you sent in questions asking, how do we know like when to ask for a promotion? How do we know how much we're worth in a workplace? How do we get back into the workplace after having kids? So yeah, we absolutely loved this chat. She absolutely put a fire under our assholes and we've been <laughs> ferreting away yeah, on all these been little ideas since chatting to her. So yeah, we hope you absolutely love it. Hello, Maggie, and welcome to the podcast today. For those who don't know who you are, are you able to give us a little introduction about yourself, a bit of your background and what you do? Yeah. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. So my name's Maggie, uh, Maggie Palmer, and I'm the founder of a company called Pep Talk Her. So we're on a mission to close the gender pay gap because, frankly, I think it's bullshit. Um, so <laughs> I started the company. I used to be a journal. I was a, I was a journalist in Australia and overseas. And um, had an experience of pain equality. It pissed me off, and so I started Pep Talk Her to try and to try and change things up. And so, what is the pay gap like? I feel like I'm a bit ignorant on this. Like, what is it actually? Yeah, so it kind of depends what country you're in, right? And it depends if you're working full time or part time. But 
on average, you're looking at a pay gap of around 15 to 20%, right, in the developed right. world. So it's like a decent chunk of money. Do you know what I mean? And like, especially when you think about, so you get paid less, which is obviously rubbish, but then also you're going to retire with heaps less because yeah. of superannuation and retirement, right? It's all pegged to that, you know, wage that you're getting paid. And so when that's lower, your retirement's lower, and then the compound interest factor is way lower. So when you retire, that's why we're seeing in Australia, the fastest growing group of homelessness is women over the age of 50. Like what? So sad. Yeah, it is sad. It's tragic. Well, our biggest question we were wondering is how we can sort our shit out in 2022. And yet again, the overall questions that actually came in were asking how we can juggle being a great mother, lover, and employee. So can we really do it all or do our expectations need to be well and truly lowered? Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? And I think, you know, coupled with all of that is like what's happened over the last couple of years, right? So it's like tough anyway. And then you chuck like a global pandemic and the stresses that that brings and like testing and lines and schools and the economy and all that kind of stuff. Like it's an absolute nightmare, right? So I feel like all of us, have to have a bit of grace for ourselves. Like we have to kind of give ourselves a bit of grace to be like, do you know what? Like it's hard anyway, but right now it's uber hard. So if I'm surviving, Mm. if I'm coping, like 10 points, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I'm just trying to like be really like almost forgiving to myself to be like, yep, you just got to let it go. Let it go, let it go, because Mm -hmm. there's just too many outside factors that we actually can't control, right? I feel like also with the pandemic and kids staying home, I feel like like always, so much of the extra brunt of that fell on women. Like it was like, can the woman's job be done from home? Okay, if the woman's job can be done from home, then the kids can stay home. They don't have to go to school. And I feel like time and time again in all different scenarios, this happens where it's like, you know, so often if you're kids sick or who who leaves work to go pick up the kid from school to go home and you saw it it's like in the pandemic it was so more often than not the woman of the household if it's a heterosexual household that was picking up the slack yeah and we know that like COVID disproportionately impacted women right to the point where there's like millions and millions of women who have left the workforce because of COVID, because it was too much and something had to give. And unfortunately, often what happens, partly because of the gender pay gap, the something has to give in terms of who's working, Mm. it falls to the woman, right? It falls to the woman to give up her job or to reduce her hours because often she's paid less than the male counterpart. And so they kind of, and you get it, right? Like a couple's looking at their bank balance sheet or their budget going, well, you know, I earn 50K, you earn 70K. So it makes sense if one of us is going to give up work, that it's the person who's earning less. But what happens is that actually there's been some research done by an Australian company actually on this. It's actually better if both parents, if this is possible, both parents take a step back. Because what you see is maybe financially you might go a little bit backwards in the short term, but in the long term, the household does better because it means that neither party is entirely out of the workforce. So no one is entirely losing their confidence or their skill set and all that kind of stuff. Right. But it's it's such a hard decision to make in the moment and everyone's stressed. So. Yeah, COVID's been a total nightmare. But I think it is important to look at because I think so often, for example, after maternity leave, a woman is looking to go back to work and they're doing the sums on, you know, can we afford you to go back to work and send our kids to childcare? 
But I think it always has to be looked at in a way that, well, if you split the childcare costs across the two of you, can you afford to send your kids to childcare rather than only taking into account the woman's wage? Because it's just not fair. It's not fair. And like, and it's a really hard decision for families, isn't it? You know, like it's it's really tough. And I like I would personally love to see more tax incentives for families who are having to bear the cost of childcare. And you know, it also there's also almost an expectation sometimes that like that will fall to grandparents or family members, right? Who will do that and potentially not even be paid for it. So there's all this expectation typically on women or women members of the family of unpaid labor, right? And it's it's a conversation. If anyone's listening today and, you, and you're thinking about this conversation, sit down and think about it over a five to 10 year time frame, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, what we see at Pep Talk Her as well is that when women are coming back into the workforce after maybe taking a few years to support their children, there is a gap in terms of their confidence and they really, really struggle mm. to make that transition back. And it's heartbreaking because I'm looking at them objectively going, you are amazing. These companies would be stoked to have you come back. But because they haven't been in the workforce for however many years, it just doesn't feel for them like they can bring 110% to the role. And so what happens is when they're negotiating for their wage and all that kind of good fun stuff, it's not coming from a place of I'm going to crush this, I'm going to nail this, they're lucky to have me. It's coming from a place of I'm desperate, I'll take any job you can give me. And that just shifts the dynamic in terms of negotiation and what you can be paid as well. So it's really complex, but you're not alone. That's the good news. There's, There's lots of us in the same boat. So have the conversations with your partner, with your friends and family as well. And just like try and to your point, like, Don't just think about it in terms of, you know, your wage paying for childcare costs as well. And before we get any deeper into the confidence and knowing our worth, because that was what so many of the questions were about, how do companies get away with paying women less? Like like kind of what way is that presented? So if Jade and I were male and female and worked for the same company, like how is the male being paid more? Do they do it in sneaky ways? Okay. So in most developed countries and certainly in Australia, it is illegal to pay someone less who is doing the same role because of their gender. So let's say there's me and someone called John, right? If we're doing the exact same job, let's say in marketing, it's illegal for them to pay us less, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. The only way I'm going to know that I'm paid less than John is if John tells me, or if I tell John or if HR like accidentally drops a spreadsheet on my desk, Right. And so, and actually, again, like there, are, and there are instances where this happens. We know that this is happening. It happened to me. I'm sure that it's happened to thousands of your listeners as well, right? Where you fa- Aren't found there out- often in contracts as well that you can't discuss your pay with other well, colleagues. Yes, is yes, that, yeah. Yeah. So it's called a pay secrecy clause. So they are, those clauses are illegal in America. They're illegal in the United Kingdom, but for some reason you can still have them in Australian contracts. So what that means is that John and I actually cannot discuss our wage. And if we do, it's in our contract that they can terminate either one of us for breaching the confidentiality or whatever, you know? So that's a problem. I would love to see that outlawed. And that's something that we're, that we're lobbying to have changed in Australia because it's rubbish. And it's like, you know, when things are secretive, that's when you can't shine a light on it, right? And when things kind of get hidden away in the corners, 
inequity appears, right? And so, but the gender pay gap, when you look at it, like if we step back a bit more broadly, yes, there are cases where it happens to individuals. As I said, it happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to your listeners. But when we look at the statistics of the gender pay gap, that's something that's kind of calculated across the workforce, right? And the reason that it's so high, there's a couple of different reasons for it. Some of them that we can actually account for. So one of the reasons for the gender pay gap is that women we're socialized or we're kind of taught from a young age to be more interested in certain jobs that are actually traditionally paid less than, for example, male-dominated jobs. So we know that nursing and childcare is typically grossly underpaid, right, considering the value that they bring to society. So industries dominated by women for some mm. reason, for some unconscious bias reason, are mm. paid a lot less, right? So that's one of the factors of the gender pay gap. But you can strip that out of the data and you can account for that. Okay, cool. There's still a gap, right? So the second reason for the gap is that women are more likely to take time out for caring responsibilities, whether it's for kids, elderly relatives, things like that. Okay, we can take that out of the data too. So we're left with a smaller gap, but still a gap, right? And researchers, you know, I was at, a, as a, at an event here in New York a couple of years ago, and the top researchers from Stanford and stuff like that were there and they were saying, you know, they don't even know what that is, but they hypothesize that it's unconscious bias and discrimination. So that's that's the part so of the like gap. promotions and stuff Can like I that. Can I tell you something happened to me in one of my careers and I walked into marketing and advertising. I sat down, I spoke to my boss who I was meeting for the first time. He said to me, would this amount be the right amount, right? X amount. And I said, yep, fine. I walked away. I made that company what seven of those men like put together I made in one year. And I found out that they were all, all of them were getting paid $10,000 more than what I was. And I walked straight into that board room and I said, if I am not matched or doubled like what you were giving me, I'm walking because that is completely unacceptable. And considering what they made like with me through that year was astronomical. I was just yeah. more furious about the fact that I wasn't valued as a woman sitting there at that table before I even begun. I had to prove myself. And I think this is the biggest thing. It's like yeah. unless you prove your your worth, you aren't going to be given that paycheck that a male might get. And I think the biggest question that came in for us is what are some ways that we can show our worth and what should we be charging? And it's so hard to know, isn't it? Because again, like, I don't know, when I was raised as a kid, like I'm a child of the eighties and like, I was kind of taught it was pretty rude to talk about money. Mm. You know, that, that wasn't really like a kosher conversation, you know, like it was just, wasn't something that we talked about. And so a lot of us, again, we kind of take, you know, our childhood experience about money, whether it was like, you know, uncool or un inappropriate to talk about money, we take that sort of story into our career, right? When we're talking about money mm -hmm. and what we're paid and what we're worth. So something that everyone, I would love everyone to do is talk to one person this week about what they earn, right? Like have one conversation because, you know, you don't have to go and ask your How much do you earn? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you getting more than me? They said, to, she yeah, said talk to can... one person, not the thousands <laughs> that listen to the podcast. Let's have this conversation live on the podcast, YOLO, why But not? I will say on that point is that 
Jade and I have started talking to one another recently about how much we earn and it is so liberating to know, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, that is my worth or whatever or just even even if we weren't in the same industry, I think it's just sometimes nice to take a load off and speak about that because it, it shouldn't be dirty and yucky. And also it's important to support women, like women should be supporting women. Like I want to see Sophie flourish personally just as much as I want to flourish and I feel like if you actually you know, are open to that and open to those conversations, it's going to come straight back in a positive way for yourself as well. Like you give some, you take some. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. You know, and it's also exciting. Like one of my girlfriends, she told me recently, she's earning like almost seven figures. And I was like, yes, queen, love that. But also I was excited because I was like, that's awesome because it's a pathway, you know. And even one of my, um, I guess he's like a mentor kind of, we sort of have businesses at the same level. And he told me, you know, the size of a contract that he got recently. And I was like, that's awesome. That's very achievable for me too. It kind of like, it almost like spurs you on. And so I think like for your listeners, whether you've got a small biz or whether you've got a full-time gig, like start with someone who you trust and respect. So it could be your BFF, it might be your cousin, it could be like your work wife or whatever, like someone who has your back either way and you can just start to have that conversation. And often it's like, sometimes it's a bit orcs to be like, hey, how much are you making? Like some people would be like, well, what? what? But what you can say is like, hey, you know, I'm really trying to like talk more about money this year. It's a really big goal for me. I was thinking for this new promotion I'm going for, I should be earning 80 to 90,000. Does that sound about right to you? Mm. So you can kind of couch it in a range for people. And sometimes they'll be like, oh my gosh, I got 82 for my first job. Or they'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm on 140. You're better than me. You should be getting 160. Like it sometimes just opens it up for people to be a bit more honest about it. So like have that conversation, talk openly about it. And you need to start small, like start with someone who, as I said, love and respects you. But then I want everyone to be talking to at least one white bloke about what they earn because we know in the gender pay gap they're earning the most, right? So, yes, women, we get screwed over. It's even worse for women of colour. So I want one of the people that you start to talk to about money be a guy, right? Because we know that typically they're going to be asking for even more money. So if we only anchor it to women, we're probably maybe undercutting ourselves. So we need to kind of make sure we have a really broad cross section. There's heaps of, you know, resources online and stuff. Some of them are, you know, more reliable than others. And some of the data is a little bit skewed. But we have a heap of free resources as well on the Pep Talker website that we can link to in the show notes that will help steer you in the right direction too. So if we're starting a new job or we're returning to work after having a child or whatever it is that we're finding ourselves in a new job, how do we walk into that with white man energy to get paid (laughs) the amount that a white man is being paid? Like how do you do that? How do you go in like not being meek? Like because sometimes when you are looking for a new job, you are desperate. So how do you not make them see that you'll take anything? Okay, so we don't want to take any of that desperate energy into the actual (laughs) conversation with the recruiter or with your boss. So I want you to have all your desperate chats beforehand, right? So there's a level of preparation that has to happen. And I kind of like, we can kind of pretend that we're like a detective, you know, like with our little magnifying glass kind of looking everywhere. You've got to put in the groundwork, 
right? So it's a bit tedious and boring. You're like, I can't be bothered. But like, if you can't be bothered, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail. You've got to do the work. So jump onto LinkedIn and just do a little bit of a LinkedIn search of like recruiters who are in your sector. Recruiters get paid to put people in jobs. So they are nine times out of 10, very happy to chat to someone who they could potentially place in a job. Right. So they will often yeah. take a call with you're you. You're doing them a favour. Yeah. No, I'm like deadly serious because <laughs> like, you're a new candidate for them. So like get on a call with them. You don't have to tell them you've been on maternity leave, by the way. You can if you want to, but you don't need to. But just say, hey, listen, look, change jobs. This is my, you know, this is my experience. What do you reckon ballpark I'm looking at? Because by the way, the market has changed a lot. Like the great resignation, et cetera, means that this is an employee's market. If you're looking for a job, if you kind of hate your job, there's never been a better time than now to look, right? Like this is a great time. There are so many jobs. People can't So if someone doesn't know what the great resignation is, can you explain a bit about that? Yes. So what we've seen is during COVID over the last couple of years, right, you know, life has been upended for all of us, right? And so a lot of people are like, screw this. Life is short. I'm I'm mixing it up. I'm going to move to a cottage and, you know, start a new business. I'm going to quit my nine to five. I'm going to start an online business or I hate my online business. I miss colleagues. I'm going to go back into the workforce. So a lot of people have been chopping and changing what their traditional work life looks like. And so this has happened to such an extent that they've now coined this term, the great resignation, right? Which is like people shifting it up left, right, and center. So what that means for companies, even for us as a small business it's really tough to hire right now. It's really, really hard. I mean, it's a little easier for us because we are a remote first company, but companies who expect you IRL in the office, especially five days a week, like good luck. It's really tough because a lot of companies are like, yeah, it's cool. You can stay remote because they kind of see the way the yeah. world's going, right? So it is a Have great Have Mondays time. and Fridays at home. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And by, that's a negotiation technique as well. We can talk about that in a little bit. But it is a great time to be talking to recruiters and, and have that conversation with them. Ring as many as you want. Ring former colleagues, former bosses, mentors. Ring your sister, your cousin, whatever. Put out a WhatsApp SOS to get people to help you understand what the market is for your role, right? What the rate is then you can go into those conversations. But I don't want you to have any of those desperate vibes when you're with an employer. We need you to be feeling like bold, confident, getting that energy that they'd frankly be lucky to have you. Those are the energies, vibes that we want to be giving off. Sorry, I came straight here from five other meetings. I've just just had so so many interviews (laughs) today. Shouldn't you go in asking for like, I don't know, let's say a certain amount over what you want so then you can kind of get a happy medium hopefully if there is an option of. But then to me that would scare me because I'd be like they're just not going to hire me. Well, you got to see value in yourself though. I know, that's and my problem. That's, that's the whole problem here <laughs> Yeah, with you and I. You see your value, I don't. <laughs> but, isn't that, but isn't that beautiful? Like I love that you see the value in yourself. Like that is amazing. And I also love that you guys talk about this stuff because hopefully some of that value that you see in yourself and that you see in each other, you know, will rub off as well. I want you getting your mates, giving you a pep talk before you have these convos, right? Because I gave her d- a pep talk the other day and she, she like, gets rid of all my Fuck. justs in my yes. emails. Like yeah, I'm yes. one of those people who's like, 
just or is it possible or I'm the one who always goes, hope that makes sense or something like that. And she's like, get rid of it. Stop asking all the questions and make a statement. I'm like, oh, but it's so abrupt. And language (laughs) is really important. And, you know, one of the things I always say for our students at Pep Talk Her and people in our community is people pay the price that you put on yourself. Yeah. Like it's not fair. It doesn't mean that the world is like an equitable place, but it's true, you know, and you don't always get what you deserve in this life, but you will get what you negotiate. Right. And so I need you to keep that in mind. It's and, and you can't just think, oh, but I'm a hard worker. They're going to see that they're going to offer me a pay raise. No, you need to ask every single year. I had a, a client recently and she did, she's like, oh, I tried asking for a raise and it didn't work. And I was like, oh, OK, so tell me about that. She's like, yeah, it was six years ago I asked and they said no. So I just she never asked again. Yeah, because she lost the confidence. Yeah, and that was six years ago. And, you know, as your listeners know, like inflation is a thing. It gets more expensive every year to buy stuff, to rent a house, to mm-hmm. pay off your car, to buy your kids' shoes, you know, to buy a beer. It gets more and more expensive. So if you're not getting paid even 2 or 3% more a year, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, you're actually sliding backwards. And, you know, certainly they're kind of earning more off you. You're getting a pay rise. You're getting a pay rise. We're all fucking getting pay rises. I know. And like inflation's going up. Certainly here in the US, it's like 7% right now. So let's see what Australia does with its figures soon. But like, you know, there's never been a better time to ask. So if you want a promotion, how often should you be asking for that? And should you be asking at like performance-based times or annually, for example? Yeah. So big companies will normally have a fairly standard structure of like November or February or January is when we give out promotions. So if you're in one of those companies, you should probably know, but Some of us are in companies that are a bit more ad hoc, right, where it's not as Mm. structured. So what I always say to people is get yourself into the driver's seat of your career. Don't sit around and wait for your boss because guess what? Your boss is busy. Like they've got shit going on. They might have 20 direct reports. They might have a sick kid. You don't know what's going on in their life, right? Like, and it's not reasonable to always expect that they will remember to have those checking combos or to remember that you probably are up for a promotion. You've got to be the one driving the bus of your own career. So if you don't have a structure in place, I always recommend to people have a convo with your boss or send them a quick email and say, Hey, I'd love to check in twice a year about my performance. Mm. I'm just going to talk to your assistant and pop 15 minutes in the calendar recurring so that we can touch base and just have a, have a quick chat twice a year. That's pretty reasonable. Like your boss has to be kind of rubbish if they say no to that. If they're not going to give you half an hour a year. There should be someone that you can get half an hour yeah. a year out of. Fingers crossed yeah. if you can't, you need a new job. But like put in place those systems so there are regular check-ins. Like ideally, honestly, you'd be doing the check-ins much more than that. I'm just kind of, this is like a bare minimum. Yeah. But you want to be asking for a raise every year. And I'm assuming that all your listeners are amazing high achievers at work. So this is all predicated on the fact, of course, that you are excellent at your job and that you're working hard. If you've had a shocker of a year and, you know, there's been a bunch of stuff you stuffed up, then I'll leave you to read between the tea leaves as to whether it's a good time. But assuming you're a total baller and you're crushing your work, then 100% every year, ask the question. They might say no but you can still ask the question, right? That's why I love my mum because my mum is a baller. Like she's confident. She's been in the workforce for years and years and years. Now they have their own business, but she was always confident enough 
to ask for a raise. And nine times out of 10, she got that raise because she valued herself. She showed her self-worth and she walked in there saying, I deserve or I need more money. And they would go, yep, and you can have a promotion. You can have a promotion. And she's the biggest person that I talk to in regards to having self-confidence in the workforce. What I'm getting at is that is the one person that I go to on the regular when I have a question about, you know, work or if there's anyone out there that you can have that conversation and question with. It's just nice to have that balance and go, okay, that's a really good thing to say. Because they always have something important or something new that you haven't heard before and you take yeah. that on board. And hopefully everyone has that one. I'm, I hope for all of you that you have that one person in your life. You know, the person who does give you the pep talk or kind of like, no, absolutely, you should apply for that promotion. Or like, and if you don't have those people in your life, please find them because they are gold. <laughs> Is it you? Um, Could it be they're you amazing. for everyone else? <laughs> well, you should definitely check us out on Instagram. And it's funny because like for me, when I had my experience of paying equality, it really mucked me up. Like I, I got full anxious and like, it just was not good, right? It really wasn't good for my self-confidence, even though it was not my fault. It still knocked me for six, if I'm honest. And so for me, a big part of like, building Pep Talker and frankly, building the app itself. Like the reason I wanted to make it tech was because I wanted to make it scalable because not everyone does have someone like your mom. You know, yeah. I hope that my friends see me as that person. I know the, the, yeah. the thousands in our community see me as that person. But if you don't have that person, I, I want you to be able to use the Pep Talker app. It's totally free. And it's just going to be like kind of like a brag book, you know, like a digital kind of app that will just like send you a motivational quote once a week. And also will check in. The app literally sends you a notification and it's like, Jade, what's up? What are you really stoked about this week? Or like, so if like, tell me something that's happened that you want to remember. So good. We should brag about time. things way more often. Yeah. Like it's drilled into us way too much to be humble. Sure. It's great to be humble on some things, but you know what? Some days yeah. just look at yourself in the mirror and go, I look that fucking good today. Yes, or like, I aced yeah. <laughs> that thing. Like we just, especially as women, our, like you've just, it's always, oh, be humble, be grateful. Da, 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 da. I said that yesterday on social media and everyone was <laughs> like, you're a bit weird, but it is so true. It is so nice to just claim yourself and go, I'm a legend. Yeah. And do you know what probably rocked you so much when you realised that there was such an unequal pay is because, and obviously this would be crushing too, but no one would have been able to say to you, oh, the reason you're getting paid differently is because you're a woman. Do you know what I mean? if that, If someone said that, that's bullshit. But also you're like, oh, well, I was born, like, you know, there's nothing I can do to change that. But it was probably like sold to you in a different way that was like about your performance or about your likability or yeah, da 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 da, which actually probably even though it's less fucked up, it probably rocked you even more because that's something really personal about you and your performance. Does yeah, that exactly. Sense? And that's the thing. Like if someone is more senior than you or if someone's performing at a higher level on a, on a metric basis, you know, like a matrix, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm rubbish, they're good. Like that's totally fine. I've got no issue with that. But it's when it's like for like work and there's a blatant gap, which, listen, I believe in my instance and probably in most instances, it's not necessarily deliberate. I like to believe that because otherwise it would be too depressing. It's just unconscious, right? And honestly, yeah. part of it is that I believe in my instance, the guys negotiated better yeah. than I did, right? I didn't. I'm, and here's the other thing, like I didn't negotiate my very first salary. My very first journo salary was like 28K. And I was like, living, this is amazing. I'm like living yeah. my best life. This is so good. But you were probably but just like, I'm so grateful to have a job. I was so grateful to have a job. Yeah. And, and the statistics tell us that if you don't negotiate your very first gig, 
you actually retire with half a million less than people who negotiate mm. that first offer. And again, it's because of compound interest, retirement, all mm. that kind of stuff, right? But um, to, to your point, like, yeah, it is, we can be grateful to have a job and still ask for more. Like we can be humble, yes. we can be polite humans and still ask the question. You don't have to walk in and say, mofos, give me more money immediately. You can walk mm. in and say, hey, listen, as you know, I've grown our sales revenue by 30% this year. I've hired seven new team members. I'm really proud that we won this award. So I'd love to talk to you about my increased compensation moving forward. Super polite, super calm, but making it very clear. I'm amazing. Makes sense. Like you're lucky to have me. Let's talk about the money, you know? Yeah. All right, Maggie. Let's get into some serious business. What are some ways we can increase our confidence? This is a really great question. And one of the things that I think you touched on earlier is having people around you who back you up, right? And who can frankly pep you up when you're having those rubbish days, which like we all have, you know, for better or worse. So having an affirmation about something that you're really proud of can be really, really powerful in terms of reinforcing to your brain the positives that you have achieved, right? Because one of the reasons behind the app as well, the pep talker app is sometimes when something bad goes wrong at work, I don't know about you guys, but I spiral. So I'll be like, oh my gosh, I spelt that email wrong or I mucked that up. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And you forget that this week, you know, you won a fellowship, you made 50K in sales and you took Friday off to hang out with the family or whatever. But we we focus on the spelling mistake or the one bad meeting instead of remembering. The one bad review and I've spiralled into a legit anxiety attack I and I, f- I don't even look at any positive message, any yeah. positive feedback, nothing. The, the one one-star review and you forget the hundreds of five-star review. Yeah. What I've noticed in my growth is that you've got to have your own back and you're, you've got to be confident within yourself. And I've started to rely more on having a positive mentality on me and who I am as a person rather than relying on other people. External validation. So yeah. whatever someone comes, like if I, and I don't usually get like, you know, I try to keep out of the, you know, backlash of conversations. But if I do get into some sort of confrontation, that's cool. Like usually I'd shut down and get really like reserved and be like, oh my God, I'm such a bad person. And now I'm like, you are a completely different human being and you're entitled to your opinion. But at the end of the day, I can either stew and manifest over that negative association that we've just had, or I can just cop it on the chin, directly have that conversation with you and move the fuck on. And I tell you what, moving on and just going, what am I? Who am I? Yep. I'm positive. I'm feeling good. I am this. It has changed my mentality for the better. And I think to your point, remembering the quote that what other people think of me is none of my business. You know, Mm. what's, what is your business is what you think of yourself. Right. And we Mm. all have bad days. I get it. But you need to find a way, especially when it comes to looking for new jobs or asking for promotions, those few days at work and during those meetings, you've got to, it's got to come from here. Like it truly, you have to believe it because people can see through the bravado and, you know, and now frankly, you know, good negotiators will break you. If you don't really believe you're worth that, 
they're pretty mm-hmm. good at negotiating and they'll, you know, they'll get you down. They'll hustle you down. So it's got to be genuine and you've got to back it up with facts. That's really helpful. And that's, again, the reason from the app is like, remember those key points, those awesome successes you've had. Focus on that. Forget about the negatives. Focus on the positives because that's going to shift your mindset because we can train our brains. You know, neuroplasticity is real and it's fascinating. And we could talk about that for mm. hours too, but like training your brain to think the best in yourself is going to hold you in really good stead when it comes to negotiating a raise or a promotion. And this is why what you're saying is so brilliant because you don't actually, like even if you don't know how to do any of these techniques, we can learn them and we can gain confidence. Yeah, and if you think that you're a rubbish negotiator, like look at your kids or, you know, I've got nephews and, and a niece, like I just look at them and I was like, they negotiated with me at about 12 to 18 months. They were like hustling Rippers. me yeah. to get what they wanted. So we inherently do know how to negotiate. I don't have an MBA, right? Like I didn't go to a fancy, you know, Ivy League MBA school. Even if you didn't do that, it doesn't mean you can't be a great negotiator. It doesn't mean you can't learn from today after this episode to start to ask once a year, you know, maybe twice a year, like your mom, you know, like ask the question, ask it politely, have your data to back up that that conversation, be really clear on what the outcomes are that you would love. If they say no, how can we pivot to something else? Maybe they say no to the $5,000. Okay, could I get an extra week annual leave? Or can you give me a car park? That would actually save me 500 bucks a year or whatever. Like you've got to come up with the alternative. Or a holiday. A company car. Like I'm literally imagining my four-year-old walking. She could walk into any fucking boardroom and she'd come out with six figures like that. What a legend. Fuck, she's a negotiator. She's probably learned that from you. Yeah, maybe. She takes no butts. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I'd like to think that would be lovely. Think it. And it's also, I think as parents as well, it's, you know, I don't have kids, but as I understand it, they are sponges from a really young age. And so like, here's a really small example. You know, if you order something at a restaurant and if it's the wrong thing, it's fine for you to say, hey, listen, this looks delicious. It's actually not what I ordered. I'm happy to eat it. Or you might say, I actually actually really was craving the pasta. Would you mind if the kitchen, you know, brought out the the product that I ordered? You know, actually those little things in day-to-day life as well, your kids pick up on that. Right, and that kind don't, of don't now. My husband is going to listen to. I need to say it like after you. Would never if he got something or there was something a bit off. He will never, ever, ever speak up. And I am the opposite, but I'm not that hectic. Like it's got to be like a hair in my meal. Yeah. Like if if there's a hair in his meal, he will still go. Oh, I'll just put it aside. I'm like, no, for the better of their business, they actually deserve to know so they can make sure that it doesn't happen again. Because if I'm silent, that only makes the next person have that, yeah. and then they could be someone that it's goes a bad on to Google bloody review or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's all over. So I think that constructive criticism is fantastic, and it's a way. There's always ways that you can actually approach a situation without being a nasty customer. I'm such a a people pleaser that it is as though my husband has paid you to go on the podcast to tell me this because I will let so many things slide. Mm -hmm. And the other day we were at the like local just like pub and there's a playground there and we'd gone there solely so we could have a drink and the kids could play on the playground. And the seat they sat us in was like quite far from the playground because it was busy. And then one next to the playground became available. And I said, oh, can you go up and ask if we can move to that one? And he goes, no, you just go up and ask. And I was like, no, like strangers just seem to like you better. Like, can you just go up and ask? And he said, 
I want you to go up and ask and show the girls that you can get up and you can go and ask them. And I was like, oh, and that was the first time that it dropped that I'm like, oh my God, I just literally said in front of my two daughters that like Nick's a bit more likable than me. But it's it's totally a not wanting to be a high maintenance woman. And I was like, oh, Fuck. And then like they moved us no issue. And then the whole night was way better because I didn't have to get up and go in the playground to watch them. And then I was just like, why did you spiral over What about that that time when we went away and you go, we were reading this pool menu and had a few to drink and she's reading the menu and she's like, do you think they know or they (laughs) meant to spell that main word incorrectly? And I looked over and I'm like, oh, let's go tell him. She's like, no, no, don't you, don't you tell him. I'm like, Sophie, they've got the whole menu that's spread out all over the resort wrong and we have to let them know. And she's like, no, we don't I was like, they'll think that we're being smart asses anyway. Well, but it's interesting that your partner picked up on that. And I love that, uh, that he forced you to go and have that conversation, right? Because it does a few things. It does set an example for your girls, which I think is wonderful for your kids, right? Because they saw you asking for the table. And the world didn't stop spinning. They said yes because you were polite about it. Like it's okay to ask. So I think that's a really strong message to send. But also more importantly, it sent a message to yourself. Your brain heard that message, right? So the next Mm. time you may not like it still, but you might be just able to do it a little bit quicker, right? And the more Mm. you do that, and for everyone listening as well, like feel free to ask to move tables. They're going, get over it, Soph. It's a table next to a place. No, but you're not the only one. And the people-pleasing thing is real, right, for a lot of us. And, again, it comes back to how a lot of us were socialised from a very young age. So maybe we were told when guests came over when we were kids, you know, you go and get everyone a drink and you make sure that everything looks tidy. And maybe your brother was told to perform a comedy show or like maybe, you know, sometimes there were different cues we were given as kids, right, that we carry with us today, but we can retrain the way that we think about that and instinctively. And one of the things I always say to people, like if you're like, I don't even know where to start negotiating because I don't want you to start with your boss. I want you to start small where it doesn't matter. So your example is perfect, like at a restaurant, oh, this table's great. I noticed that one's available. Would you mind if we moved there, please? This is a special date night for us or whatever. Also go to a supermarket and, you know, grab your bag of grapes or punnet of strawberries, go up to the checkout and say, hey, how are you? Just grabbing these strawberries. Just asking, is there any opportunity for a discount today? And like, the per- oh my God, that makes me actually want to vomit. <laughs> I could see your face. The person <laughs> who works or calls might be like, this is a bit strange, but they're Listen, either going to say, you're not getting it. <laughs> we don't barter yeah. here. They're probably going to say, no, I actually had one student do this recently. And they were like, I could give you the pension is 10% off. And she's like, I'll take it. Like that's, that very rarely happens, but it does sometimes. <laughs> They'll probably like just be like, nah, like the price is the price. And you're like, no worries. Here's my credit card. Let's go. And you're probably not going to see them I am sweating. Again. Honestly, that is my worst nightmare. But, but the thing is, it's it is uncomfortable, and that's the point. I want you to be uncomfortable because it, in a in a yeah. supermarket, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're not going to see them again. Who cares? But what about but that poor again, checkout girl or boy? She's a machine. She's moved on care? to number two. Number two. <laughs> like they've got others. Like you know, they yeah, don't care. I know. I know they don't. And you can even say, "Hey, I'm. I, you know, actually, this is like a bit of a dare. I have to. If you want, like, you do what you've got to do to to feel comfortable. But ask the or, question. Or I feel really uncomfortable asking this. But do you have any? And the way that you've articulated, they'd be like, "Bless your heart. Yes, for you, you can have it for free." <laughs> well, sure. You know, and it's interesting. Some people do this exercise at like you know Zara or like a. Clothing store 
And I always say to people, do it at the massive chains because you don't want to put pressure on like really small businesses for the point of this exercise. It's not, the point of this exercise (laughs) is not to actually get the discount. The point is to practice asking. But like one of my, one of my students did this at Zara, the clothing store. And they were like, oh, if you were a student, I could give you a discount. And she was like, well, I'm not, but I could be wink, wink. And they were like, yeah, go on 15% off. No worries. So like, you know, it pays to ask. And honestly, like cell phone, like your telephone providers, Telstra, whatever, if you ring them up and ask them for a discount, nine times out of 10, they'll hook you up. Like you should try that as well. Or your power again, bill. Oh, they'll. Yeah. All of these things, ask the question. Look, I've been with you for 12 years and I'm just about to go to Telstra. Is this your husband or your cell phone <laughs> yeah, provider? I've been with you for too long. That guy over there looks really good. So if you don't up my pay rise, I'm happy. <laughs> but again, it's like getting your brain like hating life basically and then realizing that it can cope okay that sucked a lot but (laughs) I got through it I'm still here to tell the tale and it's like baby step baby step baby step so that when you go into the big step of asking your boss or a new boss you feel way more confident and way more uh, empowered because you've practiced in a low consequence environment and now you're going in to play with the big Mm. dogs and you're going to feel way better about it. See, I'm sitting here like 10 minutes ago. I was going, yeah, you just walk into that office and you ask for a pay rise. Actually sitting here like I freak out every time I go to the post office <laughs> and I have to ask what type of stamp I need. Like <laughs> who do I think I am? I wouldn't like, oh, and gosh. I'm sitting here going, I just realised that my mobile phone that I've had is older. The contract is older than my own relationship with my husband. Wow. It's time, it's time to, to ring up discount. and get it cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah keep me posted. Let After me know how this. you get on with that. Yeah, <laughs> now, a, a challenge that a lot of people wrote in about was that they've, you know, been at a job full time, they've left and gone on maternity leave, they've come back part time, and they feel like being part time, they're not really a part of things. How can we, you know, ask to still be involved in everything that's happened while we're not doing the same amount of hours? So I think a lot of this comes down to communication, right? And that's communication, by the way, before you go on leave, during the parental leave, and also when you come back, right? And and it's very important to kind of, if you can, keep that communication going throughout the process because, you know, there's a great company in Australia called Grace Papers who who does some really great work around this as well. And that's what a lot of their research has found is that when there's that continuous communication between the manager and the Mm. employee, it just means that they're thinking of you even when you're on leave such that if the promotion comes up or a new team role comes up, they haven't forgotten about you. So we want you to stay front of mind. They shouldn't forget about you if they were good bosses. But the reality is not all of our bosses are good managers. And also, you know, we don't know what else is going on in their life. So again, if we can get Mm. on the front foot and stay front of mind during your maternity leave or parental leave as well, that's really helpful setting expectations when you come back as well. The other thing, if it's possible, we know that a lot of times people come back part-time post-parental leave, but actually they end up doing full-time hours yeah. for part-time. Days. So many of my friends are like, yeah. I work three days and I do just as much as I did before I left. Yeah. And it's a tricky balance, isn't it, for all of us, depending on childcare arrangements and depending on you know the age of your kids and all that kind of stuff. But if it's possible to keep the full-time wage and maybe truncate that into a four-day week, a three-and-a-half-day week, maybe you could even negotiate, listen, full pay, keep me at full pay, I'll do three-and-a-half days a week for the first three months, 
as an act of good faith and then I'll come up to the four days or, you know, have those conversations. Yeah. You don't know what's possible unless you ask the question. And what I see happening a lot is fair enough, women come back from leave and, of course, they're they're exhausted. They've had huge trauma to their body after birth and all this kind of stuff. The last thing they feel like doing is playing hardball in a negotiation with their boss. But, again, ask the question. And if you can have some of these conversations even pre-leave, what could it look like? If I want to come back full-time, what could that look like? Would you be down for 40 hours in four days? Is that an option? If you can have some Mm. of those conversations before, that's really helpful too, right? Because then you set an expectation. Some of the hard yards are done so that when you're then, you know, coming back, you don't kind of feel like you're starting from scratch. And don't feel like you don't have value just because you took time off from the workforce. Because I have hired plenty of mothers and I would hire them every day of the week because they are 30 times more efficient than so I am. So efficient. Yeah. hundred percent. Let's be honest. Like two or three days of a working mum is basically like two weeks of a normal human. Seriously. Do you remember that first time we went away and we got to work eight hours straight in a row and we were literally like, what did we just do? Yeah, we're yeah. like, when you don't have to think about anyone yeah. else eating, when exactly. anyone's waking up or going to sleep, I was like, you, you, you're so used to jamming things into, and this is like so many of my friends who have gone back to work, they're working three days in an office, but then the nap times in the other two days, they're finishing off some emails and they're doing this on the fly when they're at the playground. And it's bullshit. Cause I'm like, they're getting the dregs jobs because they're not there full time, but then they're also actually working full time hours. And they're so efficient that they could get it all done in three days anyway. Like it's just, it's so annoying. You mentioned to us um, briefly at the start, but do you need to disclose that you are on maternity leave? Obviously, if, you, if, you, if you're leaving a job coming back, they're probably going to know. But if you're going into a new job, <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> I, just, I was just Otherwise, there's some serious yeah. issues with the company. I mean, let's be honest. There's probably some companies that it would be that. They'd be like, where have you been? Sorry, what? They're like, oh, did you go yeah. on a two-week holiday? Yeah, you you're like, no, nah, I've been gone for 12 months. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think that's up to you. And i tell you why I say that. So I had um, a member of the Pep Talker community. This was maybe six months ago. She works in the food science industry had an amazing job opportunity. She got headhunted for the role, blah, 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 blah. Had, had, to, had to do all these interviews, had to have, have a sit-down meeting with the CEO. She was pregnant, but she wasn't showing at that point. So she didn't say anything, got offered the job. When, when the job offer came along, she's like, oh, thanks. I just wanted to let you know that I am five months pregnant. So this would be great. And I'm only looking to take three to six months off. These are the expectations. And funnily enough, the job offer then went off the table. So, you know, and again, I'm sure there's thousands of stories from your listeners where things like that have happened. So she acted in good faith for the employer, which, by the way, it was a multinational company. And I don't feel like they treated her fair, equitably and probably legally. But again, she's pregnant. So what's she going to do? Like sue them. She wasn't in a, in a situation where she wanted to do that. Yeah. So I think, you know, you have to ultimately you've got to do what's best for you and your situation. And it's really a case by case basis. Some companies, actually, employers of choice will often be delighted to hear that because they will value the skills that you frankly learned on parental leave. 
which as we know, are time management, all these extra empathetic kind of skills that, you know, grow when we're on leave in that capacity. So it kind of depends and you kind of got to read the tea leaves a little bit. But ultimately, I always say to my students, you have to do what is best for you and your situation. Some people, when it's a very small team or small company, they feel they need to be more transparent because of the impact of, you know, 25% of the company going on leave versus the multinational companies who are set up with policies and budgets to support um, that exact thing because they want an inclusive and diverse workforce, as they should, because they make more profit when they have a diverse team, right? So don't forget the value that you actually bring to the table. It is not a deficit that you have kids. It's not a bad thing that you've been on leave. You are going to bring something to that team that is different and that is, you know, not the group think. That's a wonderful thing. And I think you've got to kind of walk into those conversations with that But you're the first person that I've ever heard say that and it's so delightful to hear, but I feel like it's always made to feel like it's going to be the deficit because you're going to have kids that are sick, you're going to be tired, you've got personal issues. Like Read the tea leaves, so I know. Well, yeah, and here's the thing though, also, like the thing is like, and it's 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 slightly a reframe. It is a reframe, but you've got to believe it in order for them to believe it, right? Because we're kind mm, of we're fighting mm. a system here that is against us. We're fighting an uphill yeah. battle. We are we are not at equality. We're not gonna get there for about a hundred years. So we're looking at at least a hundred more years of this bullshit. In the meantime, what can you and I do to change our yeah. situation? That's all we can control. We can vote in a way that we think is gonna change policy. But while we're waiting for generations of rubbish to kind of be bred out, Mm. we have to do what we can do at a grassroots level. I mean, I fully believe what you say, like being someone who is now a mother and surrounded by so many other mothers. I look at my friends who have kids and I'm like, your work ethic, your time management, you are incredible. If I was ever to start a business that needed employees, which I do not currently have, but if I was to, I would be hiring mothers in a heart beat. Totally. And, you know, one of my um, team members, she took maternity leave. I think maybe she'd been with me. I don't know. It was maybe six or nine months. And she told me and I was like, and we're a small team. And I was like, she was freaking out. And I was like, we're going to figure this out and it's going to be awesome. And I'm lucky to have you and we're going to make it work. And you just tell me what you need. Mm. And like, you know, it's not always like that. And I can't imagine some of the trauma that some of your listeners have gone through. And we would love to hear your stories, by the way, let us know on social what's happened to you, because We want to support you through that. And we want you to know that there are employers out there that are different. There are employers of choice who are actively looking to hire more women, to hire parents, to hire people from underrepresented backgrounds. Um, And you should look at those companies. And And the thing is, like, it costs companies millions of bucks to recruit, right? And so companies that are smart are like, hang on a minute. If we have a strategy intentionally to recruit people who often have been left out of this process, that's actually going to be a good thing, Mm. right? So you can actually find those companies. And again, they're not necessarily doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because there's a profit motivation. Companies that have diverse voices literally like return higher profits. Like that's what the data says. So like the gender pay gap, hiring parents, it's not just like warm and fuzzy, yay. It's like you're going to make more money. <laughs> so like yeah. everyone should be interested in this conversation, you know. We can pretend they're doing it for the right reasons <laughs> if the outcome's the same. <laughs> Do you have any tips on adjusting to part-time work when you've always worked full-time? Yeah, this is a great question and it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? I think like trying mm. to put boundaries in place is the biggest thing mm. and making sure. For you to stop. Yeah, 
And, and having clear boundaries that go both ways for you and for the parties or clients or, or boss that you're working for and colleagues as well, right? Even little things like having it on your Slack description or your internal work chat description or even on your email signature. So it's very clear, you know, these are my boundaries. You know, if you want to say it's because I am a working parent, if you want to say it's because I'm suffering from an illness right now and I need treatment, that's up to you. But putting in place those boundaries so that every party is aware I think pays huge dividends for sure. What's the deal with maternity leave? Like, so if you're in a job that you've been in for a while, kind of when should you tell them that you're pregnant, like to, to prepare them? And then what are you entitled to? Is there something you're going to say? Uh, yeah, Jade, I know. No, not yet. Not yet. You're finding no, no. out things to tell You'd me. know I'd be out in the garden <laughs> munting my guts up. I wouldn't be sitting here smiling. Um, so, so every company has a different policy, right? And so what you can do, and I often say this to people, even when you are searching for a job, you want to have a look at that internal handbook. You know, the handbook that says how much annual leave, uh, you know, what public holidays, what the parental leave is, what carers leave, what sick leave. You kind of want to access that before you take on a new job. Or if you're already in a job, you kind of want to go on the internet and look that up, right? Because then you know what you're working with. Some companies, there's no mandatory waiting time. So, you know, some places make you be there for six mm. to 12 months before you're eligible. Yeah. Other employers of choice, there's often no waiting time. And this might be helpful for you if you're looking to change jobs and you know that kids are something that you would love in the future. So you might actually be picking and choosing employers based on these policies. So sometimes it's a bit orcs if you're like in the job interview process and you're like, by the way, what's your maternity leave policy? Like you might not want to say Mm. that in an interview because you don't want to be subject to unconscious bias or discrimination. So what you can do is, is you can say things like, I'd love to understand more about the workings of the business. Do you have an employee handbook that I could take a look at just so I can familiarize myself with the company? Like subtext, want to know your maternity policy, but they don't have to know that. <laughs> but you know? just look like you're yeah. committed. And, yeah, and, and, like, so- and if they won't give it to you, you can probably Google it or you can find someone you know who works there. Like there's ways to and all those websites that will kind of outline it. But again, it comes back to research and preparation. You want to do that detective work ahead of time. Yeah. And then as to when you tell them, I think this is a really, a really personal one. I can give you an example. Yeah. There's a woman that I, that I work with. She is very senior. She's an executive. She works at a massive multi-million dollar, like, I don't know, $300 million turnover company. They're getting acquired right now. Is it beyond the bump? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone. You heard it here first. These, these gals are about to become multi-millionaires, multi-hundred millionaires. But she's getting acquired by, so they're going through a merger and an acquisition, Right. The terms of the merger and acquisition deals say that if any executive is pregnant, they have to report that before the deal goes through. So she's six months pregnant and she's like, well, I'm not reporting it because if I do, I don't want to be the one who stuffs up the deal. So she's just not told them. It's pretty obvious to her colleagues that she's pregnant. They haven't asked. She hasn't told because she doesn't want to jeopardize the deal. I mean, how sexist is that, that that's a policy in the first place? But how I, is I that allowed that. to be like actually written exactly. somewhere? <laughs> exactly. It is. So outrageous. what if like 5% of the business was pregnant, they'd go, oh, we're not going ahead. Like they didn't. What? Exactly. They didn't stipulate. But my, my question to her was like, so sorry, if anyone on the team, male or female had cancer or depression, do they have to like, like, is that something that they yeah. need to declare? Or is it just because you're giving birth anyway? 
It's it's outrageous. Well, when the merger happens, you can just go, oh, whoops, I had no idea. I have had no idea why I hadn't had my period for six months and I've just found out I'm pregnant. Literally, that's what she's <laughs> going to have to do. I think at this point she's quite she's quite far along. So in her, like, and I think, so she's waiting very, very late in the piece to let them know. And her reason is because of those clauses, right? Yeah. So, I, I don't think there's a right or a wrong time. I think there is a circumstance for all of us and you have to do what feels right and good for you. You might have an amazing boss who you want to tell very early on because they're a friend and you want to plan with them. And then you might have a boss and you feel like you're going to be penalized up until you're on leave. So you might leave it later. Again, take a look at what does the company policy say? Talk to your to your family and see what feels right for you, but make the decision that's going to ultimately, you've got to look after yourself. I would love to tell you that every company is going to look after you, I, but they're just not. So I mean, I was do, lucky yeah. to have an incredible boss, but with my fr- first pregnancy, I told them at five weeks because I had to tell them why I was in the state that I was in. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot function anymore. And if there was any time yeah. that I could be sent home early or anything, I just wanted that to be in the back mm. of their mind that I was like really, really struggling. And I look, I know that's not possible in all workplaces, but that that definitely took a weight off my shoulder because I felt like not yeah, only was I, yeah, I wasn't like hiding a secret as well as feeling really sick and like making up reasons why I was like running to the bathroom and snacking all day long. So that took a weight off my shoulders. Where could women seek help and ideas for a potential career change? So I think for me, the, the first port of call when you're thinking about changing careers is people right? Like having conversations with people who've made the change, who you admire, who are, you know, three, five, 10 years ahead of you in your career, have a genuine conversation. Cause in your head, it might be really cool to be, you know, a CMO or a head of marketing. And then you talk to someone, they're like, I have no life. I do 80 hour weeks. This is the reality. And then you're like, oh, that actually doesn't kind of vibe with what I want. Right? Like, so have conversations. And I think one of the most powerful things you can do in your career is have a network of friends, families, colleagues, mentors, and sponsors who have your back, right? Who are always looking out for you for opportunities, whether it's freelance gigs, whether it's, you know, not-for-profit boards, whether it's paid boards, future positions, so that you've always got an incoming stream of opportunities or options for if you're in a toxic workplace that's treating you like rubbish, that's not being flexible when you want to return to work, so that you don't feel trapped, so that you feel like, I know I can always call Joan, she'll have a chat with me, give her two months, and she'll be able to hustle to find me someone, you know, who will have a role that would suit me. So I think like having those people who've got your back is very important. They don't have to be your best mates, right? They can be professional contacts, but cultivating those relationships for the long term and checking in with those people. Because, you know, if you quit or get sacked tomorrow, it's kind of a little bit too late to start networking for a new job. It's never too late. But ideally, you would have been chatting to people once or twice a year for the last two or three years so that you kind of got a bit of a bench of people that you can go to, right? So have conversations with people. You can obviously check out Pep Talk Her. We've got heaps of free resources that are helpful. There's other communities right around the world, you know, doing similar work. LinkedIn is a great place to nerd out if you want a new job or if you're thinking about getting a new job. So maybe give up 10 minutes of Insta and spend it on LinkedIn if that's if that's in your wheelhouse because it is an amazing resource um, for job opportunities for sure. And what if there's women at home or wherever they're sitting, listening, standing, lying, listening to this podcast who maybe have had children and they're going, you know what, I don't want to return to my career. I think I want to work for myself or start a business. Like 
what do you think are the first things to consider in those situations? Yeah, well, listen, I applaud that. I think it's amazing to control your own destiny in terms of having a business, as you you both know, with, with your endeavors as well. It's not, not always easy and it can be filled with anxiety, in the, especially in my experience anyway, the first few years, but I will say it gets better. Mm. And I don't regret it for a second, but I would say to people like, again, have conversations with other people who've done it. And also have a think about like the first question should be what's the problem that I'm solving? So like what is the business that I'm going to start? But like like not just what do I want to do? Like maybe I, I don't know, maybe I love lipstick. I want to start a lipstick company. Well, what's the problem that I'm solving? Like is it just another lipstick brand? Like do I have the brand power and the influence to kind of really get a makeup brand off the ground? Or if there's a problem I'm solving, like I'm allergic to, I don't know, beeswax, then maybe I create a lipstick that's that's solving the problem of, you know, beeswax free lipstick or whatever. Like you've got to be really clear on like yeah. why. What's the problem and why are you? Why are you uniquely qualified to solve that problem? You do not need mm. to have a fancy degree. You do not need to be famous. There are so many women, and I know a lot of them listen to this podcast, who have multi-million dollar businesses whose names you've never heard of. And they run amazing companies and they have a great work-life balance, right? So do they want to sponsor us? <laughs> okay, I know they I know they um I know they listen because I know they follow the podcast on Instagram as well. So. If you're listening, yeah. if you're listening, you. we want to see Maggie in the flesh. Yeah. So we'd like to do we'd like to come to New York. The New York podcast tour coming soon, sponsored by some amazing women-owned businesses. <laughs> I think also thinking about what is it that you don't like in working for someone else. Cause I think from the outside working for yourself definitely has its perks, but it's like, I saw this like funny meme and it's like, I quit my nine to five to start my own business. And now I work 24 <laughs> seven and it's, yeah. You know, I I mean, obviously I think what we do now, I have a way better work-life balance than I would have in my previous career. But I think also like what we were talking about before with boundaries, like unless the boundaries are in place, you can work 24-7. And so it's kind of like, okay, what is it that I'm wanting to get away from and is that actually going to be solved by working for myself? Totally. And and you kind of, I don't know, I did work kind of probably 20 hours a day the first little bit, which isn't healthy, but there's just so much to do. And even now I feel like my to-do list is like five pages long. But the other thing is like, as soon as you can, hiring people to help support you with the stuff that you hate. So like, I hate the finance accounting stuff. I hate it. So, you know, one of my things was like hiring a bookkeeper to support with that. And I was like, I can't afford it. And like, I did it anyway. And then I was like, thank goodness, because I have way more time and things are much smoother at tax time and all that kind of stuff. But I will say like, so Ryan has, my partner has a full-time job and I'm like, wow, you just get like money just comes in your account every month. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, it's so good. Even if you're off sick. And you know like, how much it's going to yeah. be. <laughs> Whereas when you have your own business, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. So, so just yeah. go into it eyes wide open. I don't want to discourage anyone because you should 100% do it. No. But just be aware that like having a bit of a safe, safety net is helpful because it can take, you know, six to 12 months sometimes to kind of get some regular income, if not longer, hey? I've just wigged out and still thinking about the fact that we should do a tour, a world tour and have <laughs> every woman that has a business sponsor the podcast. Just How every cool woman in the world. No, but just no men. Just have it all that fucking hell to be on the bump and just having the support and supporting women. How genius. How genius. And there's happen. more and more women like starting small businesses and big businesses Legends. and venture backed businesses and like 
direct to consumer sweet brands that are like amazing, you know, like it's so exciting. Yeah. Like woman, hear me. Yeah. And I do think all of us as well, like, you know, we have the capacity to move money as well. Right. Like, so even like we do gifts for our clients and for people who are in our mastermind and stuff. And we've just partnered with this, this female owned business called the feminist book club. And they're going to like do the, the gift boxes. And I'm like, how good? I'm so stoked to be sending them however many thousands of dollars rather yeah. than some random, yeah. you know, I don't even know who owns it. So yeah. I, even my cleaning products, I buy my cleaning products from a women-owned business now. So I'm quite obsessed about it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sh- chat to us, Maggie. I feel like I've gotten so much out of it in terms of just backing myself and knowing my value. I feel like deep down I know I'm worth a lot, but then yeah. my own little, 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 little bubbles on the surface. So yeah, I, I'm sure so many listeners are going to get so much out of this chat. Uh, oh, it's such a pleasure, Sophie and Jane. Like, yeah, imposter syndrome is real, right? Like, it, we, we all go through it. We're not, you're not the only one if you're listening and you're feeling like, I don't want to ask the restaurant to let me move either. You're not the only one. Um, you're in good company. And yeah, take that baby step and let us both know Pet Talk Her and Beyond the Bump on Instagram. Let us know how you go. Um, we would love to yeah. hear your stories. And sorry to any supermarket workers <laughs> out there if you have weird people coming up to you asking for asking a Asking for cheaper strawberries or chocolate, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for hosting me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.